0: Welcome to the Vine Church. We look forward to experiencing community with you. If you'd like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at thevinegoshen.org. Enjoy the message. All right. Well, this morning, uh, we have something very special uh, taking place, and I know we sometimes say that, and you're like, yeah, is it, if you say it every week, is it actually, but listen, today is actually a very special day, because I get to introduce uh, our speaker this morning, Kent Butcher, and so I want to talk a little bit about Kent Butcher. Now, many of you have seen Kent probably and know him as the guy who plays keys or, or the guy who plays bass or, or guitar on our stage from time to time. Uh, but when I look up here and I see Kent Butcher uh, playing guitar, playing keys, I see so much more than that. You see, 17 years ago, uh, Jenica and I were first married and Kent was our pastor and he and his wife spoke into Jenek and I's life and they and sewed every ounce of marriage advice they could into a little uh marriage small group. Do you remember this, Kent? It was called marriage maintenance. And Kent's probably like, wow, that was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. It was like 17 years ago or more. Um but then About 12 years ago, Kent was the one that I called on the phone and Jenica and I spoke to when we felt like God was stirring this whole like church planting thing in our hearts. He was the one I called and I said, Kent, I don't know what to do with this. And you know what he told me? He said, well, you know, that's funny. You should say that. Um, I think you should move to Goshen and you should plant a church in Goshen. It will be your sending church. That was Kent Butcher. Kent was the one who said, come, we'll partner with you as you plant the vine church. So many of you don't know this, but Kent was our sending pastor and was in fact the, the reason that this church got started and got off the ground because Kent risked with us. This church wouldn't come to fruition if he hadn't done that. And it was Kent that showed up at our first church service all those years ago, almost 10 years ago, and he sat kind of in the back, and he just cheered us on, and he just cheered us on. And it was a terrible sermon that I preached, it was like my first sermon ever, but he was like, afterwards, it's okay, buddy, you'll do better, right? Like, you know, he he was encouraging. (laughs) Kent was the one that met with me every other week for six years, over six years, pouring into my life and into Jenica's life, and in and, and my life specifically, pouring anything he could to help me be a better father, a better husband, and a better pastor. You see, Kent was a pastor of Syracuse Vineyard for many, many years. He was our area leader uh, in the northern Indiana and Michigan area for the vineyard, he carried some leadership roles in the Russia Missions Partnership, and he has carried so many other roles that, that it, it's not even funny. Kent is a leader among leaders, Kent is a pastor of pastors, and he is somebody that is very, very, very near and dear to Jenna and I's heart. You see, when I see Kent on stage playing keys, what I see is somebody in great humility. Serving God's kingdom in whatever way he possibly can. Kent has quite literally given his blood, his sweat, his tears and every fiber of his being to the kingdom of God. He's given his life to this thing. And so I would encourage you to listen to what he has to say, because it's going to be good. Well you guys welcome my mentor, my pastor and my dear friend, Kent Butcher.
1: Thank you. you. Sorry, I wasn't expecting this. Um, Travis, Jenica, I am so proud of you guys. And I'm proud of you, Vine Church. Um, God's hand was in this all along, and there are people in Elkhart County who are not going to go to hell. People in Elkhart County who are going to spend their lifetime with Jesus and eternity with Jesus because you guys have done what you're doing. And so good on you. Well done, Vine Church of Goshen. You know, I really wasn't... uh, Planning on starting off with this, but I just feel like God has put it on my heart to tell you this story. That I I first of all want to introduce Elizabeth. If I could have Elizabeth stand up, I'm going to embarrass her. So, Elizabeth, most of you don't know my story, is my fiance. We are going to get married in about three weeks. Woohoo! That's confusing. Well, Travis just said. You are in a marriage group with, that my wife and I led. Uh, Elizabeth is a widow, and I am a widower. And we both lost our spouses about the same time, about a year and a half ago, something like that. Her husband and her and my wife and I knew each other going way back to Purdue University uh, in the Ice Age. <laughs> a little while ago, um, But we reconnected through our journeys of grief. We commiserated with one another texting back and forth and commiseration became curiosity and curiosity became uh, Two 60 year olds figuring out what it's like to go on a date It's it's weird at 60 It is and the first date is now sometime later a wedding date and so um, I'm excited about that and excited to introduce her, but the reason uh, I felt it was important to share that are you guys hearing i 'm getting a nasty ringing up here that 's actually my voice that does that it 's very obnoxious. <clears throat> um, my wife had contracted a very rare disease that took her over a long period of time and I'd served the Lord in ministry for 35 years. I stepped down from full-time ministry to take care of her. And honestly, even though the Lord was near to me the whole time, he was my best friend. It was hard, and I didn't understand his ways. And I threw a lot of punches at him. It's just like, because I just felt like he was just shredding my life. And my life just felt like tatters and rags. And I didn't understand at it all. And I had no idea what he was doing in Elizabeth and what he was doing in each of our lives. And now there's this, just this beautiful tapestry that's being sewn together from the tatters of, of life. And I feel there's somebody who needed to hear that because right now you feel like you're hopeless. That It just tatters and shreds in your life right now. And you just can't see how God can pull the pieces back together again. And he can. And I want to tell you, he did it for me. He did it for Elizabeth. And he will do it for you. And so don't give up on him. And I tell you, he is not going to give up on you. Okay? So if that's for you, I'd even encourage you, uh, after the message, there's going to be a time to receive prayer. Let the ministry team pray over you and just speak that sense of hope into your life. All right, that's all freebie. That's not even what we're talking about here this morning. (sighs) Uh, So some of you will remember a social media craze that some years ago swept across the planet, unfortunately, like a swarm of locusts, and it was the what is your real name questionnaires. Anybody remember those? You know, you'd answer a couple questions. No, none of you are old enough. After answering a few questions, uh, you would be told your real name, like your real Disney princess name or your real zombie character name, I, I didn't know there was a difference between the two, but apparently there is, or you'd be told your real superhero name, or your real supervillain name, and so I took that last test, and oddly enough, my real supervillain name was Stay Puffed the Marshmallow Man, I, I don't even know what that means, but it doesn't seem like a supervillain to me, Well, anyway, uh, I think the idea behind these questionnaires was this, that the name that gets slapped on us says something about how we fundamentally see ourselves. The name that gets slapped on us has something to do with how we fundamentally see ourselves. And in this message that the Lord put on my heart for this morning, in our passage in Luke 8, uh, we're going to see Jesus administrate one of these, what is your real name, questionnaires. And Jesus' questionnaire provides us with an opportunity to take a look in a mirror and see if there are some names that have been slapped on how we see ourselves. And so when we am going to pick up in uh, Luke 8, verse 26. And uh, this is what I like to do things. Let's read this out loud together, out loud together. All right. So they arrived in the region of the Gerasenes across the lake from Galilee. As Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him for a long time. He had been homeless and naked living in a cemetery outside the town. Next slide. We'll keep going. As soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and he fell down in front of him. And then he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. And the spirit had often taken control of the man. Next. And even when he was placed under guard and put in chains and shackles, he simply broke them and rushed out into the wilderness completely under the demon's power. And Jesus demanded, what is your name? Legion, he replied, for he was filled with many demons. So there we have it, Jesus What is your real name? Questionnaire. Now think about this for a second. If we pause to ask the question, who was Jesus talking to when he asked, who is your name? Was he talking to the man, or was he talking to the legion of demons in the man? Well, if we did, I'm sorry, the legion. So listen to this. If we dig down into the grammar of the original language here, we'll discover that Jesus addressed his question to the man. To the man, he says, what is your name? Say your masculine singular for all you grammar nerds, masculine singular. And so when we understand then that Jesus addressed his question to the man, we understand the significance of the man's response. Legion. That's who I am. That's my name, Legion. So here's the punchline, and don't miss this. So when Jesus asked the man, who are you? The man's answer to Jesus' question was defined by who dark voices told him he was. The man had learned to identify his fundamental identity in agreement with the name that dark voices had slapped on him. I am Legion. That's my name. So the man's fundamental identity was a dark-voiced name. And this is where this passage then connects to you and me. That many of us, like this man of the tombs, live lives that are driven by dark-voiced names. By dark voice lies about who we fundamentally are. And I know from 35 years of pastoral experience that when pressed for gut level answers to the question, Who are you? really, who are you? that the kinds of answers that bubble up from deep down inside of us often sound something like this I'm worthless. That's who I am. I'm stupid. That's who I am. I'm lazy. That's who I am. I'm good for nothing. That's who I am. I know that many of us live lives that are driven by those kinds of dark voice names that got slapped on us. And so here's what I want to do right now. I want to pause for a moment for each of us, just kind of in our own sacred space right now, to ask the Lord to show us if there are any dark voiced names that got slapped on the core of our being. And so I do want you to ask the Lord just right now to show you your honest answer to the question, you know, Lord, what are the lies I believe about who I really am? So I'm just going to leave you about 30 seconds or so of space. Just ask that question of the Lord. So here are the, some of the uh here are some of the dark voiced identities that I felt the Lord showed me would be in this room this morning. So consider uh if any of these fit. Uh, I'm ugly, I'm unlovable, I'm unlikable, I'm invisible, I'm unnoticeable, I'm a failure, I'm never gonna amount to anything, I'm a disappointment, I'm not good enough. I'm a poor excuse for a man. I'm a poor excuse for a woman. I'm a terrible mother. I'm cheap trash. I'm a slut. I'm unwanted. I'm a mistake. I'm defective. I'm crazy. I don't belong. My family would be better off without me. I'd be better off dead. So take note if any of those feel like, ah, that is exactly what is written across my heart. And just, we'll hold on to that for just a little bit, okay? If it sounds familiar. All right, so if it does sound familiar, let me ask this question Who told you that's who you are? Who told you that? It was a dark voice. It was a dark voice. Now you might object. Wait, Kent, it sounds like you're saying this dark voice was a demon, but it, it was my dad who said I'm worthless. It was my mom who said I'm fat. It was a sibling who told me I'm stupid. It was my best friend. It was a teacher. It was a coach. It was my ex. It was myself. But it was a person who told me that's who I am, Kent, not a demon. Fair enough, I understand. But listen carefully to what I'm about to say, because you'll misunderstand this message if you misunderstand this. Am I saying that our dark voices come from a demon? Well, not necessarily. I'm just saying it doesn't come from Jesus. Jesus. It doesn't come from Jesus. It wasn't Jesus who said this hideous name is who you are. It was a dark voice that told you that. It was maybe another person's dark voice. It was maybe your own dark voice. I don't know whose dark voice it was. You believed when it told you that's who you are. I only know that it wasn't the voice of Jesus who slapped that name on you. And Jesus, by the way, wants to erase that name from you, but I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. So let's go to our story of the man in the tombs. And here we're going to get a sneak peek into the kind of behaviors that we will often choose when our lives are being driven by these dark voice names that got slapped on us. And so some of these behaviors, if they don't make sense to you, then it's probably not you. But some of you will immediately recognize yourself in some of these dark voice driven behaviors. And so in our passage, we saw that the man of the tombs had this kind of this complex of behaviors that sounded like this. He was living life homeless, and he was naked, and he was in a cemetery outside the town, and he often rushed out into uh, the wilderness. And so we might recognize these kinds of dark voice-driven behaviors in ourselves in a number of ways. So first of all, in his naked exposure... Excuse me, I keep stepping, uh, spitting. You guys might want to put some ponchos on, or if you have an umbrella in your car, you might need it. Uh, so, first of all, in his naked exposure, the man of the tombs was in a condition of boundaryless vulnerability. Say boundaryless vulnerability. Boundaries. Say it 20 times super fast. <laughs> all right, that's hard to do. So think about this. If you're living life out in the wilderness and you are completely naked, that's really stupid. All right, it makes for stupid reality TV, but it actually is really stupid in real life, right? But you know what? Listen, in all seriousness, some of us, driven by dark-voiced identities, repeatedly make unwise Boundaryless choices of complete exposure of ourselves in situations that aren't safe and with people that aren't safe, with the result that we just keep getting hurt again and again and again. And so, if you find yourself in situations and in relationships where you repeatedly and unwisely expose yourself to being taken advantage of, to being abused, to being manipulated, to being controlled. Ask the Lord if there's a dark-voiced name that got slapped on you that's driving that self-destructive choice, those self-destructive choices. Make sense? Another point of connection with the man of the tombs is this. We're told that the man of the tomb walked right up to Jesus as Jesus was climbing out of the boat. Now, remember... Walking right up to Jesus, Jesus climbing out of the boat, and the man is buck naked, right? Can't you imagine what the disciples are saying? No, nobody walked, but there's a naked old creeper on the beach right behind us. <laughs> row, 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 get out, right? <laughs> so listen to this. The dark voiced identity drove the man of the tombs to live a life of shamelessness. Say shamelessness. So consider this, particularly you young people. Every single day of our lives, we're being bombarded with dark voices that are literally telling us that it's cool to be shameless. That we're, ju- that we're more lovable when we shamelessly reduce our fundamental identity to just our private parts. That we're more lovable when we take our God-given capacity for true intimacy and reduce ourselves to shameless, casual hookups. Listen to me. The movies we watch, the songs we're listening to, the user-generated short videos that we're watching on uh, social media, the voices of celebrities, the voices of influencers, they're all pushing us towards shamelessness. But listen, that push is dark voiced and this name shameless or shamelessness that those dark voices are slapping on us, that, that name shamelessness is no less disturbing than the naked old creeper on the beach. Ah! The only difference is we've bought this. We've bought that. This is cool. We've bought that. This is the way to be shamelessness. That's your name. That's who you are. And so ask the Lord if this dark-voiced name, shamelessness, is being slapped on you. Understood? OK. So here's another point of connection. And his nakedness, the man of the tombs also lived his life hiding in a cemetery, hiding in fear and hiding in shame, ironically, shameless and shame-filled hiding in fear of what people would see if they saw his real naked self, if they saw him for who he really was, and so he had to hide. And I think most of us know this fear that says, oh, if you really got to know the real me, what? You wouldn't like me, let alone love me. And as a result, many of us, I would say most of us, spend our lives hiding from the people around us. Hiding from our spouses, the person that we sleep six inches away from in the bed every night, hiding from our families, hiding from our children, hiding from our best friends, because we're just so ashamed that if they really see who I really am, they won't like it. And so if you find yourself living a life, hiding in fear and shame and, or, running shamelessly headlong into the shameful, ask the Lord, is there some dark-voiced identity that got slapped on me that's driving those behaviors? Say fear and shame and shamelessness. We said that one. I, I made you say that one twice. Let's go back through it. Now we have to say all of them twice because I just feel out of balance. Okay. All right, another point of connection with the man of the tombs behavior, uh, these behaviors of living homeless in a cemetery out in the wilderness is this, that when our lives are driven by dark voice names that got slapped on us, it will show up in repeated relational distance relational distancing and relational breakdowns and strained and broken family relationships, broken friendships and in social isolation and consequent feelings of loneliness. And so if you see in yourself this pattern this repeated pattern of fractured relationships say fractured relationships. All right, if you see this as a pattern in your uh, life Ask the Lord, is there a dark-voiced name that got slapped on me that keeps driving me away from people, that keeps driving me away from others? Understood? Okay, all right. I do need some feedback, just to make sure I haven't lost you. All right. Another point of connection with the man of the tombs and in his choice to live again in a cemetery outside of town, uh, life in a cemetery provided this isolated man with the illusion of being in relationship without the actuality of being in a relationship. Let me say that again because I think you didn't get it. The cemetery provided him with the illusion of being in relationship without the actuality of being in relationship. He was in community in his cemetery with all of his cemetery buddies all the time, but there was no actual exchange of life in his so-called community. Now listen to this, this illusion of relationship without the actuality of relationship is no more evident than on social media. Where And it sounds like I'm beating up on social media. I don't, I don't, I'm not, not meaning to do that, but in social media we spend our time in a place where we have dozens and dozens of virtual friends, but no actual friendships. Did you hear that? All right. We're living lives in a cemetery outside of actual community. And it just provides us with the illusion of relationship without the actuality of relationship. And so if you recognize in yourself that like the man of the tunes, you live your life in virtual community instead of actual community, well, ask the Lord, is there something behind that? Is there a dark-voiced name that got slapped on me that is causing me to choose illusion rather than the actuality. Make sense? Okay. Another point of connection with the fact that the Manitouns lived in a cemetery is this, that when our lives are driven by dark-voiced identities, we may identify with death, then, more than life. Despair hangs over us like a low-grade headache. We'll live lives of self-destructive behaviors and entertain Suicidal thoughts and fantasies. A dark-voiced identification with death. It just pushes away the things of life and embraces the things of the grave. And it says things like this, the world would just be better off without me. Listen, church, I know what it is to live a self-destructive life that was driven by a name that got slapped on me. And that name was disposable. That's who I am. I'm disposable. And I live for years a disposable life. I know what that is. And I also know what it is to be set free by the voice of Jesus. And so if you recognize in yourself these these sorts of death-choosing behaviors, this sort of despair, these thought patterns of, you know, suicidal, self-destructive fantasy. You know, then ask the Lord, what name got slapped on me that's driving this identification with death? Got it? Okay. Next in verse 28, they were told that the man of the tombs shrieked and he screamed when Jesus showed up. Dark voices, listen, dark voices will tell you you don't belong around Jesus. Jesus let alone belong to Jesus. Dark voices will tell you, you're a disappointment to God, and you will never, ever, ever find the right button to push to make him happy about you. Right? Dark voices will tell you that you have gotten on God's last nerve, he can't stand you, and he's out to get you. So if you find that you get uncomfortable or restless or agitated around Jesus and around Jesus' people and around Jesus' talk, ask the Lord, is there a dark voice, a dark voice name that got slapped on me that's driving me away from Jesus, that's driving my spiritual discomfort? We didn't say spiritual discomfort, did we? Let's say that. Spiritual discomfort. Spiritual discomfort. All right. All right. Moving on. In verse 29, we're told that the dark voices often took control of the man of the tombs. And so quite simply here, if you find that your life is out of control, your life is out of control, that you can't say no when you know you need to say no, right? And you're not often even sure why you keep doing the things that you keep doing, Ask the Lord, is there a dark voice name that got slapped on me that is driving me out of control? Let's say out of control. Hmm? Is that making sense? Yeah, okay. All right. Continue on. I've only got like 150 of these. (laughs) Do we have time? Yeah, okay. All right. Next in verse 29, we're also told that the man of the tombs was placed under guard and put in chains and shackles, or when that happened, he just simply broke them and he ran away. And so what we see here and listen to this carefully is that a dark, voice-driven life, it's resistant to help. It runs away from the care and concern of others. It breaks off protective restraint. Oh, no. Don't stop me from doing stupid. A dark voice driven life confuses freedom from restraint with just actually being free. And so if any of these behaviors fit, ask the Lord, is there a dark voiced name that got slapped on me that just keeps driving me, you know, it driving my resistance to help and restraint? I don't think we said that one. Let's read that last line together. Resistance to help and restraint. Next, in verse 29, we see uh, that there, there literally was dark-voiced power, literally Dark voice power that was at work in this man's extraordinary ability to break iron shackles. That's, that's extraordinary, right? Uh, and I, I suspect it's unlikely that any of us can relate to that. I don't know. Anybody want to raise your hand and say, oh, yeah, I do that all the time. All right. One person. <laughs> all right. So probably most of us actually don't know what that sort of dark voice power is like when it's at work in our lives, but I do know this, that we can probably all relate to that behavior, or many of us, I know from my own personal experience, and I know from pastoral experience, that many of us are driven to accomplish extraordinary feats, and doing that Because of dark-voiced identities. All right, let me explain in case that doesn't make sense. Let's just say that deep down inside, you have a voice telling you that you are good for nothing and you are never going to amount to anything. You're a worthless good for nothing who's never going to mount anything. Well, in response to that, there are many of us who live our lives in slavish subjection to proving that voice wrong, right? And we become performers or textbook overachievers or compulsive perfectionists driven to have to be the best student to have to be the best athlete, to have to be the number one this, the number one that, driven to be the most successful whatever. All right? Now listen to this. I'm not saying that accomplishment per se is bad. I'm just saying that some of us may find that our unrelenting obsessive drive to be extraordinary might actually be fueled by the need to prove To some voice that were not the hideous name that they slapped on us. And so if you find that you live a driven, performance-oriented, perfectionistic life, ask the Lord, is there a dark voice name that got slapped on me that's driving my obsessions? Let's read those bottom two lines. perfectionistic performance compulsive behaviors. And lastly, last one, verse 27, we're told that the man of the tombs had been living out his dark voiced identity for a long time, The man was stuck and he had been stuck for a long time. And the kinds of destructive behaviors that we've been talking about this morning, have you ever found yourself saying, my life just feels like a broken record Right. For you younger people, you're going to have to goggle what a broken record is. What I don't even know. It, it'll be on the interweb. So if my life just feels like it's just lather, rinse, repeat. Lather, rinse, repeat. Lather, rinse, repeat. Or if you found yourself saying there's no point in even trying anymore because I'm just going to fall back to where I am right now. So why even try? And so if you have self-destructive behaviors that you've been stuck in for a long time, ask the Lord if there's a dark voice name that got slapped on you that's keeping you stuck. All right, very quickly, uh, I want to look at what changes in us when Jesus tells us the truth about who we really are. And he sets us free from these dark voice lies, these dark voice names that get slapped on us. And so in verses 31 through 34, I'm going to skip those passages, uh, but Jesus, quite powerfully extraordinary, it's fun to read, you'll have to read this verses, expulses these dark voices from the man's life. And then here's what we read when we pick up afterward in verse 35. So uh, let's read this together. People rushed out to see what had happened, and a crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been freed from the demons, and he was sitting at Jesus' feet. Pause there. Say, sitting at Jesus' feet. Sitting at Jesus' feet. Fully clothed. Your turn. Fully clothed. And perfectly sane. You get to say it. And they were all afraid. You know, just a quick, they were all afraid. You know, sometimes when Jesus does powerful stuff in our lives, the people around us don't get it. And they actually become the biggest resistance to transformation in our lives. That's a freebie. You can just tuck that away. I wasn't. All right. Next screen. Let's read this together. And the man who had been freed from the demons begged to go with Jesus, but Jesus sent him home, saying, "No, go back to your family and tell them everything God has done for you." So he went through all the town, proclaiming the great things Jesus had done for him. We we could easily uh, spend another week just in these verses, unpacking all the implication of what it looks like when Jesus frees us from these dark voice names that get slapped on us. But here's just a very quick summary. So we find ourselves sitting at Jesus feet. We find ourselves sitting at Jesus feet at peace with God, comfortable in Jesus presence, not shrieking, not screaming, not running away, but comfortable in Jesus presence, knowing that we're loved we're accepted, and that we belong to, and that we belong with Jesus. Peace with God, let's say that. Peace with God. Second thing we find when Jesus erased dark names over us, we find ourselves in our right minds. All right, holy us, thinking true thoughts about, oh, I'm sorry, I jumped ahead. Cleansed from shame and freed from shamelessness. All right. Fully clothed. The man was fully clothed at Jesus' feet. So let's say that together. Cleansed from shame and freed from shamelessness. Third point now. When Jesus sets us free from dark voice names, we find ourselves in our right minds. We're, we're wholly us. We're, we're thinking true thoughts about God. We're thinking true thoughts about ourselves. We're we're choosing sane and sober and healthy behaviors. We're unstuck and in control. In control in the sense that we're living in dependence upon the power of God and finding power to make healthy choices. We're living in the fullness of our identity of who we are in Christ. Fully and wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, who we were created to be. So now we will say holy me. You guys say that. Holy. That's what Jesus does when he sets us free. And then lastly, we find ourselves restored to healthy relationships. Did you get that last slide of verses? Jesus said, "No, it'd be awesome if you came with me, but go back to who? Your family." Right? Remember, he was isolated. He was living in the cemetery. He was living in the wilderness. And Jesus healed his relationships. Go back to your family. And what did he do? He did that and to the whole town. He went to the whole town. And so we see him restored in community. Relational healing is what happens when Jesus erases dark names over us. And so the power of Jesus heals us, and it sets us free from all of these destructive behaviors that dark-voiced names drive us to do. Amen? Okay, so here's what we am going to do. I have the worship team uh, come forward at this point in time, and then uh, Karen, who's our ministry team facilitator, is also going to come up. Uh, and here's, here's how I want to wrap up. Uh, let's all stand up together. And what I want to do is just, uh, let, me, let me just set it up. I'm going to provide you a minute to just get alone with the Lord again and provide him once again an opportunity just to reveal to you if there's been a dark voice name that got slapped on your heart. Maybe you're holding one still that he showed you before. Maybe during the course of the message you're recognizing, oh, that's me. That so totally happened to me. And we're going to hold that up uh, before the Lord. But i want to give Karen a moment right now because the as the prayer team was praying uh, before the service, there's some more things that the Lord's wanting to do.
2: Yeah. Um, well, as we go into the rest of this time and then we'll get into some worship. And when we get back into worship, first of all, I just want to invite any of you that would like some more um, Agreement with prayer, with what's being done in your heart today. Um, we'll have a worship t- a prayer team back in front of the sound booth. so we'd love to have you come back and we'd love to pray with you. Um, but yeah, this uh, our our prayer team was really excited today when we heard what the topic was because um, we feel like God's been really uh, wanting to move in this area. And so one of the things that we talked about is that the enemy has very little resistance when his children accept his lies. And so he can kind of do what he wants. And that's um, one of the things that we want to avoid, right? And the biggest light is that we don't belong. And so all of these things that we were hearing today all go back to that whole topic, we, that we don't belong. But that's not the truth. The truth is that we are all sons and daughters of God. Amen. Amen. You know, in God's home, you're celebrated. Mm-hmm. You're connected, you're loved, and you're protected. It's a place of warmth. In Romans 6.10, the Spirit of God who has raised Jesus from the dead, he lives in you. So you are so much accepted. You're so much a part of his home, so much a part. You belong so much that as you receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you. So
1: here's what I want us to do.
2: Um,
1: just close your eyes, and if you're comfortable doing so, hold out your hands before the Lord like this. This is just between you and the Lord. And what I want you to see is, you know, whatever dark name, dark voice name has come into focus for you right now. You know, I just kind of want you to see you, you, you peeling that name badge off your heart. You know, you can see the word on there. I'm... Ugly. That's who I am. I'm a failure. That's who I am. Whatever, whatever name you're seeing on that name badge, and I just want you to put that name badge, you know, in in your hand, holding it up before the Lord. Maybe some of you that you're not seeing anything right now, maybe just put a blank name badge, and maybe the Lord will show you words that are on that name badge. So just take a moment. Just hold that dark-voiced, ugly, hideous, destructive name up before the Lord. And I think the Lord is going to actually show you what he wants to do with that name. What he wants to do with that name badge. I know he wants to take it away. I know he wants to erase it. I know he wants to destroy it. And so just ask him, Lord, what do you want to do with this name badge? What do you want to do with this dark name? that was written over your heart. And now I want you to ask the Lord, yeah, I just feel like A dark voice name, just it just I feel the Lord spoke it. Somebody here you feel I am I'm ruined. I'm a ruined person and I will never be made right. If that's you, ask the Lord to take that name away. Destroy that name badge. All right, now we're just going to ask the Lord, Lord, give me a new name. Replace that name with what is true, with what you've said. And I think some of you are actually going to see the Lord write a new name, a new name on a name badge. He's going to to slap that on your heart. He's going to tattoo it on your heart is going to burn it on your heart, a true name. posture of allowing the Lord to heal and to rewrite your story. And Jordan's going to lead us in a closing song.
0: Well, that is it for today's message. We thank you for joining us. If you'd like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at TheVineGoshen.org We'll see you next time.